Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We thank God for His goodness. And um, I welcome you all into the month of December, the very last month in the year 2023. This year's moved so fast these days. Eh? Praise the Lord. Thank God for His goodness. Soon we will be in 2024. Amen. Now, I want to greet those who are fellowshipping with us for the very first time. At the appropriate time, you'll be warmly welcome, and we have a reception for you after. But let me just start by saying thank you so much for honoring our invitation and for coming, and my prayer is that the Lord will bless you because you have come. And as we begin to worship and focus on the Lord this morning, the Lord will meet you at the point of your needs in the name of Jesus. Next Saturday is CWC. Now, our choir has been working so hard. And it's going to be an awesome time in the presence of the Lord. And, and like you already know, Pastor Nathaniel Bassi will be our guest artist as well. So please invite family, friends, and all those that you know haven't given their lives to Christ because it's going to be a moment of encounter in the name of Jesus. So let's invite them. We're not only going to fill this hall, we're going to fill Pinel, and the whole place will be jam-packed in Jesus' name. So try and come in early as well so that you can have choice seat. And since we're talking about grace, some of you can be gracious to give up your seats. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Our theme this month is Glory of His Grace. And I'll be speaking on that topic this morning. And I want us, I'll be reading three passages of scripture. They're very short passages. Um, the first is John chapter 1, verse 14, and then the second will be from Ephesians, and I'll read from chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, and then I'll read Psalm 84, and I'll read verses 11 and 12. So if you have your Bibles with me, please turn to those passages of Scripture. The very first one is John chapter 1 verse 14, and I'm reading from the New International Version. It says, The Word became flesh 
and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then quickly to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, and I'll read verses 6 and 7. Ephesians chapter 1, 6 and 7. And it says, To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Praise the Lord. I read that again. He says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And then finally, Psalm 84. Psalm 84. Psalm 84. Let me just read verse 11 and then verse 12. Verse 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose work is blameless. And then verse 12 says, O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Praise the Lord. And this morning, um, as I share thoughts with us, I'll just be looking at three major things. Aside from looking at the context of grace and trying to describe what grace is. Three major things. One is grace at its highest. Grace at its highest. And then the next thing is Grace that saves and transforms. And then finally is grace that is sufficient. Grace that is what? Sufficient. Praise the Lord. Um, typically, once we get into the month of December, um, it's like the Christmas celebration has started. Um, two days ago, I received a Christmas card that was sent to me from the United States. And, and the, 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 the sender was wishing me Merry Christmas. And it came in on the very first day of Christmas. And I said, wow, so we're already in the Christmas season already. And that must have come in too early for him to have posted it and for me to have received it on this side. 
once you are in this season, you cannot but really think of the grace of God, God's love and his grace. And as you get closer to Christmas, this begins to permeate the entire atmosphere. We begin to think about the love of God, the love that propelled that gracious um, gift that the Lord made to humanity. And this season represents for us and brings to remembrance the crowning glory of God's grace. Because when we talk about Christmas, that is indeed the crowning glory of God's grace. And when we talk about grace, you know, um, we, we use grace a lot, particularly on this side. You know, before they say a few things, they say, oh, um, by the grace of God. Right? And you say something, by the grace of God. If I'm to tell you that I'll do something tomorrow, what would I say? By the grace of God. And you know, as I was preparing this message, I started purging myself as well, you know, because I, I, I also use that phase. And, and I had to subject myself to very careful examination that I hope the word grace is not losing its meaning or impact even with me. Has it just become habit to say, mm, by the grace of God? Or do we really give it careful thought? You know, because I might just be talking to you about tomorrow and I say, oh, by the grace of God. And then that tomorrow comes. The first thing I do is not to go on my knees and to thank God that, oh, Father, this is another day. Thank you for this gift. Are you with me? But instead, the moment is daybreak, you just look at your time. Hey, traffic. You jump from your bed, bam. You quickly, so that you can beat traffic. And then that's how the day just continues. You have not remembered to thank God for that grace that you have enjoyed. And these are the things that were just going through my mind. That am I truly appreciating God for this grace? You know? And, and looking at the word grace, biblically, grace is said to mean unmerited favor. That is favor that you do not deserve. It's a gift that cannot be worked for or earned. If God keeps you and then you have seen this morning, is it something that you have earned? Is it because you have worked for it? No. And when Jesus came to this world to die for our sins, is it because we deserve it? No. And grace gives. Grace gives. And it gives freely. Amen. 
grace comes from God. God is the source of grace. And that's what we saw in Ephesians chapter 1 as we read in verses 6 and 7. God is the God of all grace. Grace begins with God. God is grace. Just as we say God is love, God is grace. He embodies grace. And this is what we'll be focusing on the rest of this month. And it's also the theme for our CWC. Grace at its highest. Grace at its highest. As we read in John chapter 1 verse 14, it says, to, it says, the world became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that is grace at its highest. And that is God taking on humanity. God taking on humanity. So that he can walk deliverance for you and I. You can imagine what it means for God to leave everything and take on humanity and come and dwell amongst us and take on the form of man. I want you to, to just we cannot fully comprehend it. We cannot. We can only attempt because we don't even fully understand God's own setting. But the reality is that it's a huge sacrifice. It's perhaps the greatest sacrifice ever. For a moment, look at yourself. If, for instance, and this is not anywhere near it, you live in Lagos. You live in the comfort of your house. Let me take Philip, for instance. He lives in the comfort of his house in some exclusive estate. And then he's told that because he needs to make a sacrifice for somebody, he needs to leave the comfort of that place and relocate to some remote place in the village where there is no electricity, there is no comfort. He has all kinds of cars. And talking about cars, you know, <laughs> if some weeks back, a young girl, she's in secondary school, came 
and they were discussing in our house about, about the wedding of my daughter. So she then asked me and said, ah, Daddy, which car will your daughter use? And I said, ah, which car will she use? She can use one of my cars now. Then she busted into some kind of laughter. And I said, I was surprised. Why was she laughing? I thought I had a fine car. <laughs> so, so she then said, ah, daddy, they can't use this kind of your car. So. It's designer car that they use. That was the first time I was hearing designer car. I said, so which one is designer car? And then she started listing them. I said, eh. So, Philip will leave his designer cars and move. I'm sure all of you will be sympathizing with him. Even the thought of it. I'm sure in his heart of heart he's rejecting it. Saying, Pastor, why are you making me the subject of this message? But you see, I just want you to imagine. But this is not even anywhere near what we're talking about. All that, you know, God had to, 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 to sacrifice in order to take on humanity and come and live as a human being. Or you look at a king, someone who is a king, and then suddenly the king needs to go and start living like a commoner. But even that does not give full expression to what we're talking about. Yet in humility, as Philippians chapter 2 tells us, God took on humanity for your sake and for my sake. That is the highlight of grace. Are you with me? That is the highlight of grace. That is the highlight of grace. That is the highest expression of God's grace to us. He gave us that. He gave us his son. He came, he took on um, humanity. And we saw in that humanity and deity united in Christ. And in a very humble way, he entered human life. You know, when I think of the circumstances of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, he came perhaps in the humblest of ways. In the humblest of ways. In the humblest of ways. I'm sure many of us do not want to come that way at all. He was born in a what? The manger. Where they kept what? Animals. I'm sure some of us, if we were born in that setting, we will erase it from our history. We'll make sure that when we narrate our history, that part will not come out. 
But you know, the King of Kings, the Lord God Almighty, in taking on humanity, chose to come in that way and form. Many of us do not want it. And I used to tell people that, you see, the way Jesus operated and the kind of crowd that he moved with, I'm sure if Jesus were, if we lived at the same time Jesus was on earth, they probably would not allow him to enter our church. At the gate, even the gate men will not seek any pastor's consent. They will send them by saying, ah, who are these people? Yeah, you want to come into this church? And if Jesus were to, for instance, if he came during our time, you know, it's so easy for us to sit down and try and condemn the Jews that, you know, they rejected Jesus. Perhaps if Jesus were to come now, many of us would not even know. If Jesus, I mean, he died at the age of 33. So, for instance, if at the age of 30, Jesus were to come to your place and say he wants the hand of your daughter in marriage, <laughs> some of you say, ah. But that was, I just want to bring this reality home for us so that we can appreciate the, 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 this height of grace. And he came, and then he now died. He had to go through the humiliation of a trial. It's okay if, if, if someone who is guilty has to be punished for his offense. But where do you situate an innocent person dying for the guilty? What would you say? I'm sure many of you say, mm, that's unfair. Right? You say that's unfair. Jesus, innocent, had to die for the sins of the world. He had to die for your sin and my sin. The innocent dying for the guilty. The innocent was sacrificed for the guilty. He was crucified. He died for the sins of the world. That is a gift that cannot be worked for. It's a gift that you and I can never earn. Can never earn. Grace at its highest. And then came salvation for man. He died to reconcile sinful men to a holy God so that you and I can have access to God so that you and I can have forgiveness of sin and so that you and I can assess God having been fully reconciled 
That's a gift that cannot be worked for. And that's a gift that you cannot earn. And that's grace at its highest. And then that leads me to grace that saves and transforms. We are saved by grace. That supreme sacrifice worked our salvation through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts of the Apostle, chapter 15, verse 11 says, No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The grace of our Lord Jesus is not by works, so that no man will boast. And in any case, our works are like filthy rags. We can't ever earn it. And that's why he took that supreme sacrifice. Grace that saves and transforms. And Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 tells us, it says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace you have been saved. And Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. And 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10 says, Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of, this, of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And that is in Titus 2.11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And this grace does not just save. It transforms. It's a transforming grace. And Ephesians 2.22 tells us, it says, And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You know, he took on the form of man. He came to this world. He suffered. He was tried. He was crucified. He died on the cross like a common thief. On the third day, he rose again. So that after this, he takes on indwelling in you and I. 
And this is very instructive. This is very instructive. And that's why we as Christians, we say, look, you need to be born again. And when they went to the Lord Jesus Christ, Nicodemus at night, and he said, look, what can I do to be saved? And the Lord Jesus explained to him, you must be born again. So that the Spirit of God can indwell you. And that makes a world of difference. And as it dwells us, we begin to experience the transforming grace of God. So God begins to walk in my life to make me more like Jesus. And that's what we see in Galatians chapter 2, verses 20 through to 22. He makes me kind. He makes me more compassionate. He makes me meek, faithful, honest, hardworking, selfless, etc. He builds holiness in me. And to as many as will surrender their lives to Christ. The transforming grace. The transforming grace. To know Jesus is to experience God's grace and truth. And that takes me to the last point, which is grace that is sufficient. So we see the flow. We see the flow, grace at its highest, and then moves us to grace that saves and transforms. And then how the Holy Spirit indwells in us. And then finally, you have the grace that is sufficient. And as I look at Psalm 84, and then zeroing in on verse 11, that says, for the Lord God is a son and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose work is blameless. Whose work is what? Blameless. I want you to always bear that in mind. Just put it somewhere so that you know we don't forget you know so that as we as we identify with the goodness you know with the with, with the perquisites described in Psalm 84 verse 11 let's not forget that bit that says whose work is what blameless and I look at that verse and I try to break it down. You know, it says, For the Lord God is a son and, and what? And shield. And then he goes on to say, Look, he bestows favor and honor. 
He bestows favor and honor. Other versions will say glory and grace or grace and glory. That's second. And then the third one is, he says, no good thing does he do what? Withhold. No good thing. No good thing does he withhold. No good thing. No good thing. It, 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 no, it just shows you the heart of God. And it shows you what God has, has packaged for you and I. Except that, don't forget that thing that I said you should put in one corner. What was that? Eh? Amen. Thank you for remembering. You know, but look at, I, I, you know, I took time to look at, why the choice of son? Shield, I can understand, you know, is pro, but son. And son is very profound. How many of us have witnessed, you know, any of the eclipse before? How many of us? Now, what is the impact of eclipse? You know, sometimes the, what will happen? It's dark, right? It's dark. Now, can you for a moment imagine that we will not get sunlight in one day? Hello? Are you with me? One day. Can you imagine it? How will it look like? Eh? Eh? It will be strange. It will be strange, but it will be dark. And then you have to rely on uh, eh? And if anything happens to that one. And then you can imagine those who don't have it. And then if it continues for two, three, four, five days, one week, imagine what will happen to plants, what will happen to food. So sun is so central, light. And that's why Ecclesiastes 11.7 says, light is sweet and it pleases the eye to see the sun. And I want you to look at that and say, mm, God is sweet and it pleases the eye to see the Lord. The Bible here is telling us that, look, God is saying that, look, I'm your son. I'm your son. I give you light. I give you light. Because with light, you can see. So, 
God is saying that, look, when I indwell you, I am your light. And you can see because I indwell you. But anyone who does not have God is living in what? In darkness. He cannot see. He may have eyes. He may see this physical sun. But he's blind. And I just pray that as many as are here today that have not had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and are living in this spiritual darkness that today will become the day of your illumination as you encounter the light. The Lord Jesus will transform your lives in the name of Jesus. You have no reason to remain in darkness. When light is offered to you, you have no reason whatsoever to remain in, 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 in spiritual darkness, in perpetual darkness. When the king of kings says, look, I am your son. And I want to, give, I want to be your light. Our Lord Jesus says, look, I am the light. He is the light. He is the light. And we see that in John. You see it in chapter 8. You see it as you move through. Repeatedly, John tries to help us to understand that the Lord Jesus is indeed the light. I just pray that no one walks out of this church today continuing in spiritual darkness. The Lord is here. He wants to come into a relationship with you. He wants to become your son. To provide light and provide direction for you. So that you can go on the right path. You know, I used to see you know, those video games some years back. And maybe whether it's racing or whatever. And then when the cars begin to move in a very fast, and then sometimes you lose control, and the team will begin to show you or say, wrong way, wrong way, wrong way. Some people are going in the wrong direction, wrong way. This is your chance to put a halt to it and turn around to the king of kings. Who points the right direction? And that will be your portion in Jesus' name. Because with darkness, you cannot find your way. And then he goes on to say, look, I am your shield. Shield. He says, for the Lord God is a son and shield. So with shield, he gives us his strength to go on when our strength has failed. And you know, our strength failed very quickly. Or it becomes our strength if we are under attack. 
If I need protection from my enemies, God is saying that, look, he is your shield. God wants to be your shield. Guiding you in the battles of life. Jesus is all. He is son and shield. Jesus is all. And you know, you have this um, acrostic for, for Jesus, the crossword game for the name Jesus. J-E-S-U-S. So for the J is just. And then for the E is exactly. For the S is suits. And then for the U is us. And then the other S is sinner. So it is just exactly suits us sinners. Jesus. Is there anyone still living in your sins? Jesus suits you. Jesus is your all. And it's all that you need. Everything we sinners need, God is. He is our son and is our shield. And then the last segment of that verse 11 of Psalm 84 says that he gives grace and glory. NLT uses that phrase, grace and glory. And NIV uses favor and honor. He gives grace and glory. Grace for all times. Grace for our time of trouble and pressure. He does not take us out of our troubles, but gives us grace in the midst of them so that we might experience glory, a deep sense of thanksgiving, joy, and gladness. And I like the last bit where he says, he withholds no good thing for those who do right. That's huge. No good thing. So any good thing God makes available to you and I. He withholds no good thing. And you can take that, hold it, make a claim on it, he withholds no good thing. Make a claim on it. But just remember that thing that we said. Make a claim on it. He withholds no good thing. And God is just amazing. You know, as I was working on this, thinking through and writing my message notes, you know, I just remembered Root. How many of you know, remember root in the Bible? You know, root was a daughter-in-law of um, Naomi. And you know, she, she lost her husband. And Naomi too lost her husband and lost her two sons. And was left with her two daughters-in-law. 
And at that stage, she said, look, her name should now become Mara. She said her name should now be Mara. And she set out to leave the foreign land, to come back home. And Ruth insisted on going back with her. And, and, and even Naomi could not see any reason. Even Naomi herself did not see a future for Ruth. But Naomi and Ruth insisted on following Naomi. And, you know, when I connect Ruth's life to this, to Psalm 84, verse 11, and no good thing will he withhold. I mean, look at the life of Ruth. Look at the transformation. Look at where God moved her from and took her to. The same Ruth whose life was completely hopeless. She's lost her husband, was following her mother-in-law to a strange land, didn't know what the future held for her. All she knew was that she had her mother-in-law and they were going together. Mother-in-law too, hopeless. So nobody to even give her any form of uh, hope. And two of them, but look at what God did in their lives. You know, and the Lord kept taking me on that journey right through to the early hours of this morning. That Ruth came back. They didn't even have what to eat. She had to now try to look for a field where she could collect remnants. But even through that, God was at work in the life of Ruth and Naomi. Are you with me? He will not withhold anything, any good thing from those whose lives are blameless. And where Ruth went to collect remnants Unknown to her, the Lord was orchestrating events in her life. She did not sit in self-pity and self-defeat. And that was how she met Boaz. And the rest is um, history. Today we read there is a whole book in the Bible dedicated to Ruth. She is in the genealogy of the greatest king of Israel and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Her life changed. There was a complete turnaround because Boaz eventually married her. And you may want to ask me what happened to Naomi. You know, Naomi's life is good too, right? And something says to me, 
that the Lord is at the verge of turning around the life of someone in church today. The Lord is orchestrating some things in your life. You just need to be careful to follow the Lord. Are you here and you think your situation is hopeless? I'm sure it can be worse than root. But I know that the Lord is saying that no good thing, no good thing, no good thing, no good thing will he withhold. No good thing, no good thing, no good thing will he withhold. The Lord will help us. And I just like the way the psalmist concluded Psalm 84. In verse 12, he just says, O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Blessed is the man who does what? Who trusts in you. Are you here today? You've been wondering, can I, can I entrust my life to this God? This is the Lord Almighty. And the psalmist concludes by saying, blessed is the man who does what? Who trusts in the Lord. Life with God is a life of blessing of tremendous advantages and spiritual riches. That is the secret of a rich, rewarding, satisfying life. A life of blessing beyond our wildest dream. And we saw that just this past month when we said exceeding expectations. How lovely it is when our lives become the dwelling place of God. Is your life the dwelling place of God? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. Is your life the dwelling place of God? But how lovely is it when our lives become the dwelling place of God? When he inhabits our innermost being, when we find our home and our rest with him. How blessed are those who have set their hearts on a pilgrimage through the valley of tears so that they can bring the refreshing good news of Jesus Christ to those who are suffering and sorrowing. How blessed are those who have taken time and pain to invite someone to church this morning on our guest Sunday. The Lord will bless you. Amen. How rich and wondrous is the life of those whose son and shield is God himself. Truly blessed are the men, women, or children who put all their trust in the Lord Almighty. I want to invite anyone here or under the sound of my voice 
who has not at any time given his or her life to Christ, I want to invite you to come. Test and see. The Lord is good. I want us to bow down our heads and I want us to begin to talk to God. I want us to begin to do a careful soul search. Is your life a dwelling place for the Lord? Is your life a dwelling place for the Lord? Come, test and see the Lord is good. I'm going to pray for two sets of people this morning. I have that leading to do so. If you are here and you have never at any time given your life to Christ, this grace that saves and transforms is available to you this morning. The Lord Jesus is here. And he wants to have an encounter with you. This is your chance. All you need to do is put your right hand on your chest. Just place your right hand on your chest and begin to talk to God. You've never given your life to Christ and you want to give your life to Christ today. Just place your right hand on your chest. And begin to ask that the Lord will have mercy on you. Begin to confess your sins. And ask that the Lord will forgive you. Just place your right hand on your chest. And begin to pray. And ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to come into your life. If you are before your device, you can do the same. If you are in penal, please do the same. Just place your right hand on your chest and begin to talk to God. Ask that the Lord will come into your life. Father Lord, I want to pray for as many as have placed their right hands on their chest that Lord, you will reach out to them in the name of Jesus. That Father Lord, you would look at them with mercy. Forgive their sins and their trespasses. And as your word says that you stand at the door of our hearts and you knock. If any man hears you and opens the door to his or her heart, you would come in and dine with them. Lord, I pray that Father Lord, that you make them beneficiaries of your work of salvation this morning. That you forgive their sins, you cleanse them, that they will become born again in the name of Jesus. That they will be fully reconciled to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. And I just pray, Lord, and I break the power of sin and the influence of sin over their lives. That they will not continue in sin again, that grace will continue to abound but that they would experience a new life in you as they begin to experience transformation 
in their lives in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, and to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we have prayed. And I still want us to, our heads bow. I just shared about roots. And I believe strongly that there is someone here. You are believing God for the experience of root in your life. The root turn around. You want to experience it. I just want you to talk to God. Just stay where you are and just signify by raising up your hands. And I'm going to pray for you right on your seat. You want the root experience. Just raise up your hands and we're going to pray for you. You want the Lord to turn around your life. You want the Lord to turn around the li your life. Just signify. Just raise up your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Father Lord, I want to thank you for as many as have raised their hands. Looking up to you. Lord, they have lost hope. Some have given up hope. But Father Lord, they have come before your throne of grace today. Lord, just as you did it for root, and as your word affirms that you will not hold back any good thing for those whose lives are blameless. Lord, as they set on that path of a blameless life today, I pray, Lord, that you will not hold back any good thing from them in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that the experience of Ruth would also be their testimony in the name of Jesus. They would experience a turnaround in their circumstances in the name of Jesus. Thank you, eternal rock of ages. We shall testify to your glory as you respond to our prayers in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen.